What up, Orthodoxical fam? This is your host, Kyle Bumgarner. And before we get started, I would really appreciate if you guys could do the usual sort of influencer tactics of liking, rating, and subscribing to this podcast and also sharing it uh, on your personal social media platforms. If you feel up to it, you know, getting this podcast off the ground, that's definitely something that we're going to need to kind of uh, push out as much as possible from the beginning. So I would really appreciate if y'all would give us a like or a rate or subscription. Uh, Definitely helps with the algorithms and all that stuff. And today's episode, we are going to hear from a good friend of mine, Krista Idowu. And Krista is a filmmaker and producer based out of Atlanta. uh, And she has a really amazing story and has really unique insight into how movies are made and, and what they kind of do and the different techniques they use to kind of to form us and to tell the stories that uh, we are looking to hear. And so we hear about Krista's journey. We hear about uh, making the process of making movies and uh, her sort of process and storytelling with them in, in terms of movies. And then also what movies can teach us about empathy and what it means to both make a good Christian movie, quote unquote, and then also... Uh, how we can watch movies well as Christians. So without further ado, let's jump into the first episode of the Orthodoxical Podcast with Krista Adowu. What's up, y'all? This is Kyle Bumgarner, and welcome to the Orthodoxical Podcast. I'm here with a good friend of mine who I'm very excited for you guys t- uh, to hear from today. Uh, my friend Krista Idowu is here, and uh, Krista is a, a screenwriter, a producer, and a self-described love activist. Uh, she recently wrote, produced, and directed a, a heart-provoking and just really well-done uh, documentary and, and content video for uh, the Anne Campaign, which... As you, as anyone who listens to this know, like I love the Anne campaign. Shout out to the Anne campaign, big time. Um, it's been viewed over a hundred thousand times, and it's been shared thousands of times on Facebook. Uh, Krista is also uh, she's worked in various production roles for clients like Wells Fargo and the United States Navy. She was a consultant uh, for a Prudential branded uh, content documentary. And uh, it was basically, it was a documentary that was looking at the lives of uh, three black women uh, as they were journeying towards financial wellness and creating a good financial legacy. All that to say, Krista is a very talented filmmaker. Um, she's very, very good at what she does. She's been involved in some really cool projects. Um, and I'm excited for you to talk with her. So Krista, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited to be here today with one of my favorite people. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much. I also should point out that um, Krista is the better half of the Idowu Iduo. Um, <laughs> she has a husband named Elijah who runs his own website called decolonizechristianity.org, which you should just, uh, definitely check out. And she is the mother to one of the cutest babies in the world, Pri- <laughs> uh, Princess Oni. <laughs> so yeah, she, when she's not doing filmmaking and all this stuff, uh, Krista is being a, a wife and mom to, to her oh, fam, yeah. and she's really good at that as well. <laughs> thank so you. Krista, thank you for coming on the show. And could you, just to kind of start us off, could you give us a brief overview of your own sort of theological journey, uh, kind of, you know, where, where you sort of started in terms of your faith and, and where you've progressed to and kind of where you find yourself now? Hmm, it's a serious journey. Um, I was oh, yeah. 
I'm a pastor's daughter, so I'm a PK. Mm. Um, God bless you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I was raised in a non-denominational background. Um, It was sort of a middle ground. It wasn't um, completely charismatic or completely reformed. Um, We focused a lot on experience, but also on the word of God. And um, around, I think, 2004, when I left to go to college, I what they call backslid and went my own way. And I had the slingshot effect, which is like when your parents like hold you back so long, when you mm. get out of the house, you just shoot out. <laughs> yep. So I had that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. and I ended up in the music industry. I don't know if you know that part about me. No, I didn't. Yeah, know I ended up in the music industry and um, I was signed to a record label in 2007. I was doing electro punk music and um, it was a wild time. A lot of- Wait, wait, like you were performing? Yes. <laughs> I did not know that. You sing? Yeah, I sing. I was singing, rapping, and doing all types of crazy stuff. Crowd surfing, all of it. Like, all the things. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I had that a big, the... like, red and blonde mohawk. Like, it was nuts. Yeah, so those <laughs> were the days. Partying, um, like, drinking, doing drugs, all of it. And mm. in 2009, my brother was also in a band. He was in a metal band. And, um, like, he... He doesn't like me to tell his story too much, so I'm not going to go into too many details, Mm -hmm. but he had an encounter with Christ where he ended up, he was on the complete opposite end into very, very dark stuff. And the power of God, like, completely changed his life. And he called me and told me to come to my parents' house and he laid hands on me and I passed out. He told me to let go of everything. He's like, let go of your fears, your dreams, your desires, everything. He laid his hand on my head. I fell out. Everyone said it was for 30 minutes. I woke up and literally hot tears flowed from my eyes. My vision changed like to the point where colors became more vivid. And I felt like literally a feeling of the love of God come over me. And after that time, it was like, I don't want to go back. Like, this is so, this is the realest thing I ever experienced in my life. Like, this is what a conversion experience, like, that you read about, like, the Paul experience. I never knew. Like, I grew up in church. I went, I went up to the altar call a million times. Like, I rededicated my life a million times. But this was something different. And I had tried to regulate my sin before that. Like, um, I'm going to be celibate until Valentine's Day, or I'm not going to smoke weed except on the weekends. Mm -hmm. But at this point, it's like, I don't even want it. Like, I don't. I don't want like anything that's not of God. And so like my heart changed, everything changed. But at that time, my, my, my theological journey was primarily experiential. Mm-hmm. So it was so experiential that I was mixing and sort of syncretizing all types of beliefs. Like it was Christianity at the core, but then I would like, Someone said something about tarot cards and I was like, oh, well, you know, I can find Christ in that and I can find Christ in burning candles and doing this. And do- it was all types of um, say esoteric type things and occult mm-hmm. things that I was mixing up with Christianity. And God, de- God delivered me from that. He showed me I don't need all of that. Like I was burning candles three, to be exact, for the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and covering my head with a prayer shawl. And he was like, I don't need all that. Like it's, you know, just come to me. Yeah. And um, after that season in my life, um, I became a minister at my dad's church. Um, I kept growing in my spirituality, but I felt like something was missing in my understanding. Hmm. And my husband came into my life and he is 
like strict, like on the opposite end, like strictly theological, very little experiential. Her her husband is one of the smartest people. I, like he is like <laughs> crazy, crazy intelligent. Um, yeah, for those he's yeah so i thought i was like you don't have the you don't have the holy spirit like i always thought yeah. like he's he just didn't have the holy spirit he's just all theological all mind mm-hmm. but he helped to bring me to a centered place where it's mm-hmm. like yeah to him the bible like it's all the word everything's the word 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 like no matter what it's you know the word of god is like the most solid thing for him mm-hmm. and when i was experiential it was like the word of god was almost like it was like my experience with God took precedent over the written word, mm. but he helped me realize the importance of the written word of God. And, but that shook up everything that I built my faith upon. Mm. And so it made me question things. It made me question what I was being taught. It made me question, like, I used to just blindly accept whatever anyone taught me and tried mm. to find the good in it. It was like, eat all the meat, like eat bones as well. Mm. And now I'm learning like, eat the meat, spit out the bones. Mm. But it was literally like the floor was ripped out from under me mm. when I started to read the Bible on my own and start questioning and start being more skeptical and not in a negative way, like skeptical about like, okay, am I interpreting this correctly? Mm. Is this interpreted with a proper biblical hermeneutic? Like, mm. you yeah. know, is this eisegesis or exegesis? Like, mm. And it threw me off. And now I'm in a place where, like I went all the way, I would say right field on that point where I was like almost so strict where I didn't want anything to do with anything charismatic after that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm at the point where I see the beauty of both. Yeah. I see the need for both. I see the need for the mystical side of Christianity mm-hmm. and the spirit. It's all spiritual, but for the mystical side and also the, the word side, it's like the need for the spirit and the truth. And so that's sort of where I am now in my journey, like embracing like theological soundness, but also spiritual experience, also the power and you know, the fun parts of God. And I'm finding yeah. beauty in the word of God like I've never seen before. Like I'm um, taking a class, the Bible Project, they have a class, classroom beta. I'm taking classes with that. I'm taking in, taking classes at Icon. Like it's, it's a beautiful place where I am right now. Man, that's, that's so awesome. And really, I think such a, I think such a common experience for a lot of people. Um, I think, I think one of the most beautiful things about Christianity is that it is such a diverse faith in terms of like how it's practiced or or, or what people kind of emphasize and stuff like that. But I think one of the flip sides to that is that I think sometimes people, they grow up in a certain tradition and to them, like that is the faith. Like if you grow up, if you grow up super reformed, you're like, well, anything outside of that is like not Christianity. And then, so yeah. then, then you uncover, or, you know, you start to quite, like you said, you start to question or you start to have uh, like some, some skeptical ideas about your own tradition. Yeah. And you don't realize that you can, you can try a different tradition or you can embrace a more well-rounded view of Christianity without completely like throwing away your faith. Exactly. And, and I think people, I think people are, we're becoming better at kind of making space for that. But I think for a long time, like that's just been such a hard um, obstacle for, for people in ministry is that 
you know, like they're, they're preaching a very specific, like kind of, of Christianity. And then when yeah. people are like, Oh, like, you know, um, do you follow the comedian Kev on stage? Yes. He's hilarious. He's so funny. He has, he has a bit where he talks about, he disappointed his family cause he didn't catch the Holy ghost. I saw that today and I didn't click on it yet, but I saw that. I was like, that's going to be interesting. Oh my gosh. It's so funny, but it, it's such a true, like, and, and the funny thing is like, I think it speaks to like a common experience of people I know who have grown up in very charismatic churches is they're yeah. like, like what's going on like why why is that like is god like yeah like is god mad at me like did i i'm like trying really hard and i think like at one point he talks about like i or this might even be a different comedian but there's a comedian who talks about like he's like i used to just like fake it i used to just like pretend that i had the holy ghost yeah so like they'd be like we're not like the pastor would be like we're not leaving until you catch the holy ghost oh my he's goodness like, yeah oh, uh, okay and so, and so yeah and so it's like you um you get kind of wrapped up in the, in these, like, okay, like that is what it means to be a Christian or, you know, having really solid like theology or, or tulip or um, baptism or all these different things without recognizing okay. that there's like a, there's room for a lot of those things. All and of all it. of those things kind of really, they bring out a different side of the faith yeah. and they, and they open you to different experiences of the faith that you wouldn't, necessarily have while while still being within the bounds of like you said like a, a proper orthodoxy which i think yes. is beautiful um so i i'm really excited to have you on for well first off thank you for for sharing um you know i think that really helps us get um a background of, of who you are and why you know telling stories and and you know having this this sort of faith-based background is important to you yeah. um but you are a filmmaker um, you've, you've been involved in a lot of different film productions and different um, projects in, in that regard. And so how did you move into the film world from your electro-punk electro band days? <laughs> so, um, wow. Okay, to make a long story short, um, after my salvation in 2009, I started a group called Naked Eyes. It was like a, I would call it like a, an artist support group. Uh -huh. it was sort of like an AA for artists. Okay. And I felt like I didn't really fit within the church or in the world. So I wanted mm. to create, like, I called it like a halfway house for, yeah. for people who were sort of like trying to figure their way into Christianity, right. especially okay. artsy or creative or quirky or like the out, the off beats. Yeah. Um, we had gang members, we had witches, we had all types of folks show up to Naked Eyes. Oh, wow. We would talk and we would be candid and honest with each other about our struggles and about the gospel. But I realized I had a lot of people who dealt with mental illness in my group. Mm. So I decided to go back to school and study psychology. Mm -hmm. But then one day I was leaving out of the school building and I was like, I don't see myself being a psychologist. Cause I was like, okay, if I get this, like I can't imagine myself sitting down, having people on the couch telling me about like what's going on with them. Like I was like, I don't see my life being that way. But I was like, I love speaking to people. So I changed my major to communication studies. Then I took a theater class. And thought, like, I've been an actress for years, but then, like, it was a struggle. It was like, I had the passion for acting, but not the gift. Like, it wasn't natural. Mm -hmm. So I thought theater was going to be my major. And then I was in a script writing class, which was sort of like a mandatory class in my theater minor, which it, it went from major to minor. Um, and I fell in love. Like, 
in my script writing class, I was like, I'm creating the world. Like mm-hmm. I hate, I hate it putting myself in a world and trying to bring it to life through my own emotions because my real self would always kick in mm-hmm. and it would show up on my face. And I was like, I'm a sucky actress, <laughs> but creating the world and imagining other people bringing it to life. I'm like, that's, that's it. So I changed my major to mass media arts. I focused on filmmaking. Um, we did like a school, like a, project a film project and I asked my teacher what would be the best role for me because I want to put my hands in everything he said produce be a producer and I did it and I loved it and after that like um the rest is history like I went like after graduation I started doing video production for a marketing agency and then I started working on various projects and um the documentary I did legacy lives on that opened up a lot of doors for me working with the amp and campaign helped like that definitely opened doors for me. And um, now during this pandemic, I got over my comfort zone and started working on my own projects. Cause usually I'm working on other people's projects and producing other projects. But this time I got over my own fear and I'm putting myself on the line to go ahead and create my own. And that's sort of how I merged into that. So the music industry is what brought me to my salvation because it was sort of like I got to the highest point of high, like literally, I remember one day I was sitting on the balcony of my apartment and I was like, I have everything I want, like mm. everything I want, literally. I wrote down what I wanted out of life and I have it, but I'm miserable and mm. I wanted to jump off of my balcony. Mm. So it was like I was at the highest height, but I wanted to die. And at that point, God brought me to a low point in order to meet in order for me to meet him Mm -hmm. and everything developed from that. Mm. So it's an intricate story. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, praise God for all of that. That's so cool. And it's so cool that you've had the the different opportunities and and things that you've had to kind of hone your skills. Um, So so this is something that I've actually been kind of confused about is what, like, what would you say a producer does? Like whenever I see like, a movie is produced by like so-and-so I'm like, okay, what is that? What does that mean? Like, what does that look like on a day to day? Like, what are you actually doing? So it's lots of people would think it's the boring work. Um, it's, it's pretty much hiring all of the staff, like all of the crew. Um, it's, if you're going to buy a script, you'd be the one, like if you're buying a script, if you're not writing the script, you'd be the one to look through different scripts and choose which ones you're going to option and buy. And, um, you'd be the one that, um, works on the budget, works on the schedule, like all the paperwork, all the spreadsheets, <laughs> like you're yeah. the one that makes everything go. You're the, I don't want to say boss, but you're the leader on the set. Mm-hmm. You make sure that the vision of um, the script comes to life and it's done in a way that's efi- efficient, cost effective, <laughs> and um, on time. So that's pretty much the role of a producer. Um, yes, it's like the the leader. Yeah. So you so you do like a bunch of different things um, in order to make sure that the that the process is kind of going the way that it should be. Yes, it's like you do all the things. Like okay. everything is sort of on you. Like you're the go-to person. If anyone has a question, they come to you. Um, okay. You know, you make sure all the departments are handling their business correctly. You're okay. communicating with everybody. You're sending out the emails. I mean, when you get more money, then you hire like other people to do that for you. But when you're right. when you're doing it in the indie <laughs> field, then you end up pretty much doing a lot of yeah. work. 
so you're kind of bringing in some ways like you're bringing disparate sort of like you're bringing together like special effects and lighting and makeup and and uh acting and and directing you're you're bringing all of those parts together and making sure that they're cohesive yeah got it got it got it Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. That's that's awesome. I'm glad I know. I've always wondered because I'm like I I've tried to read about it, but I'm not totally sure. Um, but yeah. So then, as a as a filmmaker, what um, what excites you the most about the process of of creating a film? Like, what what is really you're like? Yes, like I really love this part. For me, it's I don't. There's probably a word for it. I'm just uh-huh. gonna find a way to say it myself. But it's okay. when it's when your idea starts taking on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. So it's when, you know, I have this concept and it's all over the place. Then I start writing. And the next thing you know, the characters start coming alive. Mm-hmm. Like they start having conversations on their own. Like everything starts to roll out by itself. And I love that point because it's like, this is real now. Like this is no longer just like a concept in my mind. Like this is actually a reality that's playing out. The people, I hear their voices, like I, I see what's next, like each, each um, line of dialogue, each line of action, like it ends up just flowing and it makes sense. And, and I love revising because the revising part is like, you think that this is a scene that you came up with, you think that this is the act that you came up with and it takes on a whole, like it ends up going a whole different direction when you think about, um, how you want to develop your character, how you want to develop your story. Because when you first write, it's like all your ideas come out, like they, you know, everything comes to life, but then it's like, okay, now I have to tell a story. So the story has to make sense, you know, and I have to make sure that my character arc is, you know, cohesive. I need to make sure that, you know, my character is doing this because this is the need that they have. And this is the conflict that they're coming up against. Mm. And, you know, is this conflict strong enough you know, are their reactions strong enough? You know, is the, um, is the why strong enough? You know, is, I'm trying to remember the word, um, are the stakes high enough? Yeah. Uh. You know? And so in the revision process, you're asking all of these questions. Does, do each of my characters have a voice? Do they have a distinctive voice? You know, and then you start narrowing stuff down. You have like a line of action that's like this long. You have to narrow, like at first it's like, um, Lots of us, well, lots of us tend to have um, like a poetic way of writing. Mm -hmm. And with script writing, you got to take all that poetry out. So Mm -hmm. you take this whole huge line of poetry and turn it into he scowls at him Mm -hmm. instead of, (laughs) you know, like you've got to make it as succinct as possible while still holding on to its weight. Okay. Yeah, I can totally see how like the, like technically that would work where you're trying to communicate like what a person is doing, but doing so in a succinct way, but in a way that you can tell, like when I, when you say like he scowled aggressively, but also not being like, he scowled aggressively, like a wolf staring off into the distance at its prey or something like that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's for like, not for novels, you do all of that. But with script writing is how do I say things that have a punch in like three words? Okay, cool. So it's fun. Like, it's like, to me, it's like, like a form it's like math and science and art at the same time that's awesome so um i i really i really enjoy movies i really enjoy um you know just kind of taking a movie and and breaking it down and and what you know asking the question about what um what about this movie 
like what it, what spoke to me what what was this movie trying to do like what was it trying to get me to focus on and stuff like that so i was just curious like what are what are some of your favorite movies including um including maybe even some of the ones that you've worked on um well um trying to think of my most recent recently i've been into bollywood okay <laughs> bollywood i've films. been wanting to get into bollywood <laughs> yeah as a filmmaker i could see people be like what but I love Bollywood because for one, they tell the same story. Like they're pretty much telling the same story. Like it's always mm -hmm. a love story. It's always yeah. a cat and mouse game pretty much. But the way they tell each story, it makes you want to watch each one of them. Um, and they don't hold back anything. And it's like now in our reality, love is sort of lacking, mm. especially in media. Like there's a lot of cheating. There's a lot of, you know, negative negative relationships but in mm -hmm. Bollywood it's like love is still alive mm. so I love that it's whimsical it's fun um it's cheesy <laughs> but that's just one genre I mean I like so many different genres. I love Spike Lee films I love Brooklyn because it's a slice of life like to me I let my husband watch and he's like what in the world like I have no idea what just happened but to me it was like wow this is wonderful it's a slice of life like you know there is a plot but it feels so real and it feels like you're literally just living the life with Troy and experiencing life with her and lots of random things happen like RuPaul dancing around in the gas in the um, corner store and you know the, the kids running around and chasing each other and being mischievous towards each other it just felt like this is life mm -hmm. and I love I think let me see what other movie am I like super gung-ho about I love Avatar. <laughs> the the uh, James Cameron one? Yes, I love the James Cameron one. Okay. I love I love worlds coming to life. That's something I keep saying. Like I love yeah. worlds. I love the amount of thought they put into um, every single plant, every single animal, the yeah. language that they developed. Um, the story is a story we've heard a million times, but the way they told that story was it's Pocahontas. Yes, it's Pocahontas. <laughs> it's Braveheart. It's the Fer, same. Fern Gully, yeah. Yeah, it's Fern Gully. It's the exact same story we've heard a million times, but the way they told the story and the way they brought to life the world was awesome. Yeah. Mirror Mask. Have you heard of Mirror Mask? I don't think so. I think it's, um, oh, what's the name? I can't. I'm so mad that I'm not thinking of his name right now. Okay, he did, he did Coraline. He oh, did, um, Tim Burton. No, not Tim Burton. Not Tim Burton. Yeah, so yeah, Tim Burton works hand in hand. Neil Gaiman. Okay. Yeah, I think Neil Gaiman did Mirror Mask. I know he did Coraline. Okay. But I mix their works up. They sort yeah. of have that same like dark, kind of yeah. type of mm -hmm. vibe. But I love I love that kind of yeah world creation and telling like parables and telling stories throughout throughout a film. Yeah. Do you remember? Um, and this, this is a question that was posed to me several years ago, and I was actually thinking about it again the other night because I don't, I was trying to trace back like what my answer might have been, but do you remember the first time that you saw a film and that you were just kind of like from a, from I guess like an artistic or, or a composition perspective, you were like, that like changed the way that I see mm. how people do their work. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, that does make sense. Oh, 
man, I've had moments like that a lot and I'm trying to remember, trying to pinpoint some. Um, one that comes to mind is the new version of, not Moulin Rouge, um, the new version of The Great Gatsby. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the one by um, Baz Luhrmann. Yeah, uh-huh. I loved, to me, it was like directorial choreography. Mm-hmm. Like when the world started falling apart, like once when things started taking a turn for the worse, literally picture frames were falling from the wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> like I love that. Like I love <laughs> yeah. symbolism. I love when, you know, you're you're painting things through the subtle, through the through the subconscious. Mm-hmm. I love that. And to me, like he he picked, he he painted this glamorous life that everybody wants to live, mm-hmm. but then he showed like. Um, the wretched excess. He showed yeah. how, you know, when you go too far, how your world literally falls apart. And he did it wow. like, through, like he, I mean, the, the lighting change, you know, the lighting changed at that point, like everything changed. And you can see the subtle elements that he started twisting to make you see like, this is like, he's really in some deep crap right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, oh man, I'm gonna have to go back and watch it again now. Cause I totally don't think I would have noticed that. Yeah, um, there's something I, it'll come to me probably at the end of our discussion. There's another yeah. movie that did that to me, and I'm like, and I was like in tears watching it. Like, this is amazing. I um, I kind of, I, I think my answer to that would be like, would be Inception. Yes. At the, at, <laughs> like when I when I remember first seeing yes. that movie in theaters, and then walking out and being like is this real life? Like, am I, am I actually, it was just like the way that, that he did the set and the way that they, they explored the different characters and the, and the different layers of, of the dream world and stuff like that. I think I I was only like, I was pretty young when that came out. I think I was like 16 years old, 15, 16. But I remember walking out and being like, Oh my gosh, like that was just beautiful in the way that they did it. Another one that, and this was like, when I was thinking of this question the other night, this was actually the first one that came to mind was um, another Spike Lee movie, uh, Black Klansman. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I, I went to see it um, two years ago and just the way I, I love very like stylistic directors. Like I love Spike mm-hmm. Lee and I really, I really like Quentin Tarantino and just the way that they have their own yeah. specific sort of flavor of movie. Mm-hmm. And and in Black Klansman, man, like it was kind of like you were saying, like there there are things that he does just stylistically in terms of like like when Kwame Ture is giving a speech and he's like focusing in on the faces of like different people that are in the crowd, or when mm-hmm. um like there's there's a scene where like they go to a disco and the and like focusing on the music and like the rhythm of people dancing and the way that he does that and and this this gentleman telling a, a a really hard like really horrible uh sad story from when he was a kid like watching one of his best friends get killed and and kind of the way the ways that he focuses on that just like the little yeah. ways that kind of like uh you were saying the ways that they he brings the the story and then the the lighting the special effects the acting and kind of like puts all those things together to be like you just experience it in a different way, which yes. is so powerful that when you have like all of these different, it's engaging like all five of your senses, you know, it's yes. like you're, you're engaging with the narrative side and, and the, um, 
the effect side and just all these different things kind of come together. Um, sorry, I'm totally geeking out right there. This oh, is no, more, this I'm, I'm, <laughs> have you seen the prestige? Yes. Oh my gosh. So That's good. <laughs> That's yes. one. Like for anyone who hasn't seen it, I don't want to blow it, but that ending mm. when everything so, comes back so together, good. it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like the ending is like, wow, I missed that. I didn't realize that that was happening. Oh, it's all making sense. Yeah. Like it's like he, it was meta to the point where what they were teach, what they were doing, like it was about ma magicians just for those of, those of you don't know about it yeah it's about magicians and them doing like showing the different um parts of their magic trick and at the very end it's like um they did to us as the viewer what a magician yes would do in them. yeah and you're like what just like, <laughs> just like inception it was like at the yeah. end of inception it was like he just did to us what they were doing to the character, the character. yeah and we're like is this a dream or is this real? <laughs> like, oh yeah. I loved like lots of people didn't like it because of that. They were like, it was confusing. I'm like, that was the point. Like, like the, the yeah. point of it was for <laughs> us to leave not certain. Like there wasn't supposed to be certainty at the end of that movie. Right. Like, at for all. Sure. Interstellar was, oh my gosh. Like I loved Interstellar. It's like the interweaving of the points. And it's like after you tell this story, the very end, it's like, wow, it all makes sense. Like Wow, I see how this point, it's like hyperlinks. That's sort of like what Bible yeah. folks call it. Like it's hyperlinks. Like this leads to this and this part at the end connects with this part at the beginning. And, you know, I love that. Like it's like a huge, it's like a puzzle. Mm, yeah. Uh-oh, did it freeze? Oh, no, you're good. I thought it froze. Yeah, yeah it's good. like a puzzle and it all comes together. And to me, it's like, it's beautiful. Like seeing like callbacks. Like, mm. I like seeing callbacks. I like yeah. creating callbacks, too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we, we heard your story kind of from the beginning, um, you know, just about, you know, your, your, your journey with, with faith and, and your experience of God and kind of where you found yourself now. Um, in what ways would you say that your faith kind of influences your work and your process as a filmmaker? It influences it like it there's no separation really yeah okay <laughs> just like there's no separation between the spirit role and physical world it's like mm. there's no separation between my art and my spirituality mm. almost everything that i write has to do with either something god has taught me about the world that we live in and this reality that we live in or it's a way to communicate a spiritual truth in a way that people can digest it mm. mm -hmm. because art is one of the it's one of the most effective ways to communicate a truth. Yeah, That's why absolutely. These parables, you know, stories are, yeah. the, are the greatest way to really communicate a truth and get to the heart of a person, mm. you know? So I use my stories to, um, to help people understand who God is and who we, who each other are. Like one of the things I love to do in my work is, is, show you people like show people that the world judges in an empathetic light. Mm. I don't know if I'm saying it well, but no, I, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Like I want to show people that we look down upon or people that we don't like mm -hmm. in a way that we can understand where they're coming from. Mm. I don't like to create actual bad guys. I create people that we don't like because there are people we don't like, but I don't, I don't like to create bad guys that are just 
bad. Mm -hmm. I, I like to create antagonists who are us. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I think that's what God did in the Bible. <laughs> like, I think that's what the writers of the Bible did where, you know, not to be bad or anything, but like Abraham and Moses and David and Paul all and all, all bad dudes. Them. We're bad dudes. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really crazy. Like when you think about, cause I mean, you were, P, you were PK. So I'm sure you grew up hearing like stories or you like, you hear the Bible, like kind of presented in certain stories. And then yeah. when you're older and you start to read and you're like, wait a minute, you're jacked up. You're like, like, yeah, they're like, this is messed up. Like, why? Like, I remember like the, and you know, some of it was like, just kind of around like Christian media. Like I remember like Veggie Tales, like King George and the Ducky is the story (laughs) of, of David murdering his, this woman's husband and then taking her as his wife. And I mean, depending on your translation, sexually assaulting her. And you're like- Pretty much, you're like, <laughs> pretty much. You're like, this, you're like, this is the man after God's own heart. Like, this is like the person- Oh my you, God. You would be in prison nowadays, basically. <laughs> what you just said, I actually have that exact same quote in my script. Like we mentioned David in the guy that you remind me of in my script says, and that's the man after God's own heart. I'm like, oh my God, you are him. <laughs> <laughs> You were him. I mean, like I literally say that in there. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's a valid question though, because I think yeah. um, I think like you said, uh, we and I think you know, like as a kid, like we we get presented these um, these stories, right? And and kind of the way that they're presented a lot of times, like you think of any Disney movie, is that there are there are good people who are good and virtuous, and then yeah. there are people that are like the embodiment evil. of of evil. <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's like, you know, that I, th- I think that works for kind of communicating some basic sort of like truths about life. But I think what gets harder is when you get older and you're like, wait a minute, there, there are people that were like really good people that also did really terrible things. And then all, not only that, but then you start to see that in yourself yes. and, you, and you start to realize like, oh, like, I'm the bad guy. Like yeah. I, I'm the villain in, yeah. you know, in this particular story and stuff like that. So I think that that's so cool that, um, I don't know. I, to me, like when I, I'm, I'm much more open to engaging with work kind of like that because it, it just feels more honest and it feels yeah. more like real in terms of, of the kind of stuff that we're experiencing, I think in, yeah. in daily life. Um, so, you know, you, you said uh, that, you know, your faith and your work are, are basically the same thing. And obviously there's a lot of overlap in, in terms of like your process and, and creating uh, and creating films. But then, so then my question would be to you is how does one make a good Christian film? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Did somebody think, does somebody have to pray the ABC prayer at the end? Is that like the gosh. is that like the the finale the finale is that somebody has to like everybody in, in the in the town has to meet Jesus? That's like checkmark think, good Christian film. I think the problem with Christian films is the lack of truthfulness and honesty in representing the bad guy. Mm. And representing the good guys. The good guys are too good, the bad guys are too bad. Like yeah. there's now I've seen a few that were really good. Um, I did like Case for Christ. 
that was good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that one. I don't think I've seen that yeah, one. Case for Christ. Um, that's about um, Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel. Yeah. And that showed an atheist in an empathetic light versus I just hate God and I just I'm just a person who wants to be away from God and you yeah. can't tell me anything. And it's like <laughs> a dude that was like struggling with his faith and going through it and he felt like us, you know, and Risen was another good one. It was a yes. You know, oh my gosh, Risen was so good. Risen was good. And yeah. it was it was fictional and it was about a Roman centurion and his awakening to who Christ was and him struggling and wrestling with belief. The the scene where he goes and he's talking to the centurions that were guarding the tomb. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's so so well yeah. done. Like when I when I like and it, it's funny, like when I talk to people, you know, like about, you know, faith or re- religious uh, matters or whatever, and they're like, it just seems so like, like crazy. And I'm like, dude, people back then thought it was like, look, this yeah. is a guy who like everything that happened went against everything that he was told to believe was true. And yeah. I mean, this is like the same sort of things. Anyway, I love that scene. It's yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a very well done movie. That and Paul the Apostle, the recent one that came out like, I think two or three years ago. Um, I think I've seen that Paul. one. Yeah, I've heard. The, I've, I haven't seen that one, but I know when you're talking about. It. I've heard it's good. It was so realistic, and it didn't paint Christianity as this happy-go-lucky, everything gets wonderful after you become a Christian mm. thing. It was like life actually gets worse. <laughs> you know, you're going to struggle, and so I love. I think that's what makes a good Christian film is honesty and truthfulness and understanding theology. Like I think lots of the times, lots of people who don't have a clear understanding of theology make a Christian film and they paint like a false light of what Christianity is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they paint a false life about grace. <laughs> they paint mm. like, it's, it's just really unrealistic and it's not empathetic. It's like a us versus them. Mm. You know, I don't want to call out specific movies because I, I love my, I crush. will. God's not dead. We're talking about you. God's not dead. <laughs> Called out. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we have to, we have to empathize. And this is one thing, this is one of the reasons why it's taken me a hundred um, edits for the script. I want to make sure no one in my script is a caricature. Yeah. Mm. And I want to make sure I'm Say that not, one more time. <laughs> I want to make sure that no one in my script is a caricature. Mm. <laughs> and I want to make sure that I understand what they understand and I correctly represent them. So what I've done for this script that I'm working on, I've told you about it. Um, I'm researching what my opposition believes. Mm-hmm. I'm watching the documentaries that they watch. I'm reading the books that they read so that when I'm making their arguments, I'm not making their arguments based upon what I think I heard them say on Facebook. Mm. Because that's a lot of the times, you know, we don't like to put the work in. Yeah. Like when we write scripts, we create characters based upon what we imagine them to be. Yeah. You know, this is what an atheist is. You know, he has this hairstyle, he wears these kind of clothes. He believes this. This is why he's an atheist. This is a gay person. This is why the gay person is the way they are. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what they say. This is what they believe. It's like, uh, no, actually sit down and <laughs> like yeah. interview and talk to someone who's not like you and read a book to understand like what their world is really like, right. like understand them from an empathetic standpoint. So that way you're not creating an opposition. You're creating a person. Yeah. Well, and, my, and my thing is like, I think it's crazy that like, 
that Christian filmmakers do that because people yeah. do that to Christians all the time. Yeah. Like when was the last time that you saw like uh, a portrayal of a Christian in a TV show or a movie and you weren't like rolling your eyes like, okay, yeah. that it's is completely, authentic. Yeah. yeah, it's so inauthentic and, and just so poorly done in terms of like you what, it. yeah, it just, well, I'm like, it's just, it's just the, it's always like, you know, it's very rigid, very yeah. like inflexible in and, and very unkind. It's, yeah. in, in some ways I'm like, there are, there are, I will not dispute that there are Christians out there that are, that are doing horrible things and, and trying to get God to pass, um, pass his approval on it. Like that is, that yeah. is totally happening. Um, but at the same time, like there are so many Christians I know that are like kind, humble, thoughtful people that are like really trying to live out their faith and love God as best as they can and love their neighbors as best as they yeah. can. And I've, I've yet to see that portrayed um in a way and, and in a way that's like really complex right that's not just yeah. like okay this is like you're a very one-dimensional kind of like you're very one-dimensional and you're sort of yeah. versus like you're you're kind of getting the full picture of the complexity of what's going on there yeah i think that that's 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 the thing it's like we don't like that being done to us but we do that we do that to other people all the time absolutely we do that and it takes it's so much work to understand a person that's not like you you know, mm -hmm. lots of people aren't going to take the time to do 100 drafts just to make sure that a person is portrayed in a positive light. It's easy to just create a character based upon how we imagine them to be. Yeah. You know, but it's like um, one of the things I did, I was trying to understand, this is sort of like a spoiler, but I was trying to understand what some people that are in that pan-African um, mm -hmm. pro-Black theology actually believe. Mm -hmm. So I Googled like Yale and I Googled their course, um, their courses, mm -hmm. and I found a, like an African-American studies course that focused on like the Pan-African stuff. And like, it was like um, African religion and diaspora. I think that's what it was called. Yeah. And I looked at the books that they, re they um, recommend for their students in that class. And I bought that book and I read that book so I can understand what my audience would actually read and what they would actually understand. And even though that scene was only five minutes and none of the things I read actually got into the script, it was like, now I understand what they think. And now I'm a more well-rounded person in general mm -hmm. because it's not just a script. Now it's understanding people. You know, this is my audience. You know, this is my potential audience, but these are people I interact with on a day-to-day -day basis. And I don't want to come to the woke brother or the Hebrew Israelite or the nation of Islam brother and just like come at them with the same stuff that every other Christian comes at them with. It's like, Okay, now, okay, I watched Hidden Colors. You know, I watched Out of Darkness on um, Prime. It's a, actually, it's an interesting, it's, it's a hard watch, but it's an interesting watch and, it, and it'll make you upset, but it, it'll make you empathetic with people who, you know, preach the Pan-African woke, woke, woke type of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it, it helps you to empathize more and understand people more. And that's what we have to do in general. Like as writers, as Christians, we have to not caricaturize people in general and caricaturize liberals and conservatives. You know, we got to stop doing that and actually know that each person is an individual. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that's just such a wise practice um, of of just really humanizing people in a way that that matters um what so then from there like do you do you think that there 
that there are ways that we can, because I think there are, there are quote unquote like Christian movies that, that quote, or like basically are kind of based on Christian stories. Like, you know, like yeah. Risen kind of happens around like the resurrection narrative or the, the Apostle Paul or whatever. Um, how, how do you go about, or how do you see people making movies that, like you said earlier, they communicate a core theological truth about God without yeah. explicitly maybe even kind of um, being set in that time period or, or even saying like, this is what's happening sort of thing. Um, I think you and I, you and I talked about at one point um, at the, the end of Avengers Endgame where everybody returns yeah um and yes and spoiler alert for those of you who haven't seen it, every, <laughs> everybody comes back like infinity war everyone dies avengers endgame everyone comes back everyone to life um yes. but like i it's crazy because i think right before you and i were talking about it i saw a, a video that somebody had shot of the the opening night uh premiere oh yeah of the, i posted I that on my instagram yeah yeah and it's i mean people are just losing their minds when everybody starts coming back and i cried and, <laughs> oh, i mean yeah like i i, I shed one one single thug tear one thug tear <laughs> it went straight down my eye um because i was just like <laughs> like when when um when Black Panther comes through and then like, oh, man. it just, and everybody's coming through. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, but I, I was like watching it. I was like, you know, people are, are cheering and, and really like, mm -hmm. this is, this is evoking some sort of emotion. And it's like, it's yeah. communicating some sort of truth that like mm -hmm. the return from death is like a yeah. powerful, sort of motif that really like it resonates with people like it stirs something in us and i think it communicates yes. that so i guess from there my question would be like are there other films or other things that you've seen or um mm -hmm. you know things like that like how do we sort of communicate the theological truths without outright being like the resurrection this is what yeah <laughs> yeah well c.s lewis does it really well mm, yeah he does it really well um with you know the um chronicles of narnia um I think Lost, the show, the TV show Lost. Yeah, I kind of missed the Lost train, but I've, I've heard a lot of things about it, yeah. Once Upon a Time communicates a lot of spiritual truths. It's a TV show about like Disney characters, yeah. but like them living in a modern day world. Uh -huh. There's a lot of redemption, a lot of redemption in the show. Um, the bad guys aren't bad guys, like the evil people aren't, I mean, they're evil, but then you see why they're evil and then there's a redemption mm -hmm. with each of them. Um, I learned a lot of spiritual things from um, Once Upon a Time. Of course, The Matrix. I mean, even though it's based upon Gnosticism, it's, you know, it definitely has some... There's, there's, it's like a, I think it's a blend. It's an interesting yeah, it's blend. blend. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of movies, lots of movies, even the whole hero circle, I think is, for people who don't know what the hero circle is, it's sort of like an um, outline that people use to write films or mm -hmm. stories in general. Um, it's, I don't know by heart, but it's like, um, like the call to action. It's like the hero's call to action. And he uh -huh. meets with the um, guru and then, um, I don't know it in order, but you know, they accept the call. And then I think one is like, he thinks that he's winning, but then all is lost. And then he gets to the, the night of, the dark night of the soul. Yeah. And then he overcomes and then he goes back to his normal 
surroundings. Yeah. And it's pretty much the same thing with like the gospel, like Jesus. It's like, okay, Jesus is normal life. Then he gets his call and then the bad guys close in on him. And then he has his victory. He's still like doing his miracles and stuff. And then he has this dark night of the soul. Father, why are you forsaking me? You know, even Garden of Gethsemane, it's like um, dark night of the soul. Then he dies, all is lost. But then he resurrects, which is like the ultimate victory. And then he goes back to his normal. He returns to his disciples and gives him the great commission. And so like almost every great story follows that same yeah. pattern, mm-hmm. you know? For sure, yeah. It's 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 just it's such a a central, I think, sort of powerful truth. I think to the human experience that we we've just sort of replicated in the way that we we tell stories. Um, yeah, you can see that in the films, especially hero stories like oh yeah, Marvel, you know, DC. I'm yeah. a Marvel person. <laughs> I so I'm I heartbreakingly a DC fan. Um, Marvel. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, I love them both, obviously. Um, but to me, I Marvel is everything that I wish DC had been had been able to do. Um, uh, unfortunately, they were a little bit behind the uh, behind the ball, and then they tried to like jump ahead, and it was yeah. I have, I have I like some Wonder choice. Woman. Where, Wonder Woman is good. Oh, Wonder Woman is by far the best. Like I love that so <laughs> so good. Um, but. Yeah, wish wish they could have done a little bit more. <laughs> so, uh, what what would you say? Like, how how would you say that movies can enhance our faith? And mm-hmm. and I say that as like a, a pretty like surface level question, but I think and this wasn't necessarily my experience. In fact, I would say my experience is the opposite. But I think you know sometimes we grew up. Some of us grew up in homes in, in Christian homes where it was like you know, there are certain kinds of, of media and film that you, that you can engage with. And then there's certain ones that you are like completely off limits. Um, and I think there, I think in, in some ways there's wisdom to that, right? Like, I think we can, we can say that there are films that we, that we watch or engage with that are, are not really doing, they're, they're not honoring to God and and they're kind of like you were saying, they're not really, um, they're not really communicating truthfully uh, yeah. about, about yeah. reality and kind of what, um, what sort of deep sort of truth God wants us to know as Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like my, my question would be, how do you, how can we engage, how can we, how can we broaden our scope of the films that we're engaging with and, you know, kind of push those boundaries of like, okay, not, I'm not just going to say outright, this is bad. Don't watch this. Like, don't, you know, like, I'm not going to be like, don't watch Harry Potter or, you know, don't watch training day or, you know, don't watch this or that, but also recognize that like, what is this, what is this saying? How is this enhancing my faith? And what are, what are the parts of this film that I think are not true and and I can push back at as a Christian? Mm -hmm. That's, that's good. Um, I think one is use discernment. Mm-hmm. because you know you know what makes your spirit feel disturbed and don't ignore that you know mm-hmm. like for me I, I can't really do horror films because yeah. if I watch a horror film then that night or a few nights later I'm like seeing the things that I saw on the film 
yeah. in my mind while I'm trying to go to sleep or, you know, the lights are off and I'm trying to run up the stairs and I'm like running up the stairs. Yeah. Like someone's coming after me. And it's like, you know, God, faith and fear can't really coincide. So I don't want to walk in fear. So I know to not do that. You know, I know to fast forward sex scenes because I'm like, it's not really, there's nothing edifying in that. Like there's yeah. nothing edifying in a sex scene. You know, you can watch a movie with it, but you know, if you're watching it on Netflix, fast forward, you don't have to sit there and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or like I remember my one of my uh, pastors, who's just a really brilliant man. I, I learned a lot from him. One of the things that he his his sort of like criteria, like when we would watch, like for part of he was teaching a class that we were um, for like a like a seminary class that we were in, um, and he was as part of it we had to like watch certain movies and stuff like that and he was like i'm okay with you watching the sex scenes in this particular movie because they don't he was like they don't lie to you about sex and they don't lie to you about like what what basically like the reality of it and and what it's like and and kind of communicating something about it because i think like you said, like there are a lot of movies, I would say the vast majority of movies are very, um, it's just very gratuitous and, yeah. and not well done. And it, and like, there's no consequences and it's yeah. just like this amazing, and you know, and it, he was like, as a, as a minister of the gospel, like, I want you, like, I want you to see and understand like what sex is, but I want you to see it and understand it from the perspective of your faith. And most films are going to lie to you about yeah what it they is and what like it's like. the best thing in the world and you know it's better than god in a way you know they yeah yeah, yeah. for sure yeah. um yeah sorry i i cut you off on that but um oh, no. any any other uh any other ways that you can think of that just watching a movie can really enhance your faith, faith. um it's definitely the parable like the parable understanding of it i mean just like the bible you know, the Bible isn't just one type of book. You know, you've got narrative, you have discourse, you have poetry. And so even in poetry, which is like extremely artsy, you get something from it. You get the heart of your author. Mm -hmm. So when you're, when you're watching a film, sometimes the point isn't just to learn something from it, but it's to learn the reality of being a human. Like it's mm. to learn how people think, it's mm. to learn Say that. what people go through. You know, it's to learn empathy, you mm. know? Like, I was, I want to come up with a film that, well, I actually wrote a treatment for a film that's um, about, I already talked about like people that we look down upon, but specifically people that we look down upon, like um, prostitutes, even molesters and stuff. I want to show how they became the way they are, Yeah. you know, and show, not for us to excuse them, but for us to see that they're a human that needs healing and they're a soul that needs redemption. Mm. you know and not just you know they're just this monster or this person it's like okay who is this who is the person underneath the monster mm -hmm. you know and so we that's one way as christians we can watch films to edify us like okay what's the humanity within this person mm. you know it's not edifying to watch stereotypes it's not edifying to mm. watch movies about like black people or latino people that are stereotypical Mm -hmm. Because it's it continues to paint that yeah. picture right in your mind about mm -hmm. who they are and it's not the story. You know, that's yeah. not how most people are. You know, like the gangster movie, it's like, okay, most of us aren't doing yeah. that. You know, <laughs> you know, or you know, um, you know, there's stories about gay people and it's, and it's always like they always lose. Yeah. 
you know, it's like, okay, actually understand what they go through and what right. their life looks like and how human they are. So I think as Christians, one of the best things we can get other than like the outright lessons and the outright um, parables is understanding the human experience better. Oh, I, man, I love that so much. I think, cause something I was thinking about is when I think about my favorite movies, a lot of them um, are not like super like well, quote unquote, like well-made in terms of, of how they're done. Yeah. But I think, I think one of the things that makes movies such a powerful medium is not only their impact on us, like mm-hmm. personally, but also their impact on our relationships. Like mm-hmm. you think about how, like when you, like if you go on a date to the movies and like, and, and that becomes like your movie or mm-hmm. you, you go to, you watch a movie with your family growing up and you're constantly like kind of quoting it and thinking about it and stuff like that. And it just, it becomes this kind of like shared language that we have. Um, and I think to me, like what you just said, it, it becomes even more important to, to develop a sense of empathy when, when watching films like that is because not only does it, to me, it, it's like, not only does it create a sense in you that, that you want to connect and, and learn more about people's experiences, but then it also gives you a medium through which to do that, where it's like, yeah. if I, if I've seen this movie and I'm like, okay, like, and, and you know, I'm like, okay, like this talks about this kind of experience. Like, let's say it's talking about like depression or grief mm-hmm. or something like that. And then I meet somebody and they're like, yeah, I was just watching, you know, this movie and I felt like it really spoke. And I'm like, oh yeah, I saw it. And then we kind of connect in that way. Um, yes. I think it just, to me, that is such a strong, like powerful way that really, um, that you can, you can utilize movies in a way that allows you to, to love your neighbor and to, mm-hmm. to understand them and, and to live into that calling in our faith. Well, um, yeah, mm-hmm. ah, that's such it's a meta side. It's that meta side again. It's like yeah. taking what's happening within the movie and applying it to real life. It's like the movie's doing to you, like what we're seeing it doing to the character, you know? And I think that's why the whole Chadwick Boseman thing hit people so hard mm-hmm. because you know, Black Panther wasn't just like a movie for us to watch. And, you know, it wasn't just a movie. It was mm. a picture of hope. And yeah. I read that other than Barack Obama becoming president, Black Panther was like the number two most hopeful thing that has happened to Black Americans in, well, I'll say African Americans in, um, yeah, in America. <laughs> like, yeah. Black Panther was rated as like number two after having a mixed president president. you know yeah it's like to us it was like we've never really seen ourselves portrayed in a way that for one we're like extremely intellectual like the most intellectual in the world Mm -hmm. you know that we have a nation that's thriving you know that we have you know we're 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 in a society in which we're not oppressed and we're not the lowest of the totem pole and we're strong, the women are powerful, like, you know, they don't have this Western concept of beauty, you know, they're raw headed, they're like dark skinned, like, you know, they have like a whole different way of projecting beauty. Yeah. And um, it, it just said a lot to us. And so when Chadwick Boseman died, it was almost like our symbol of hope died, mm. even though he was playing a character. Yeah. That character said so much to us as a people mm-hmm. that it, you know, it was it was a representation to little 
children. I wouldn't just say black children. I saw pictures of Asian children, white children, all types of children that had their little funeral services for yeah. Black Panther because of how much of an effect that character had on the psyche of we, this is a new narrative of who black people are. Mm. We're telling a new story of who black people are. Like most of the times our, our history is traced back to slavery. It's like slavery, then oppression, and then still oppression, and then still oppression. But like Black Panther is like no slavery, like yeah. kings and queens and like thriving. And, <laughs> and so it became a topic of conversation. Like when you saw people go to the movie theaters, we were dressed in like, native african gear and yeah like people were bringing like big plates of food into the theater <laughs> <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a it was a social communal cultural right. experience that wasn't just a movie yeah that shows the power of media the power of film that you know it brought together a community in a way that had never been done before i've never seen that type of impact i mean star wars like star yeah. wars brought together people in that type of way um Rocky Horror Picture Show sort of did it, but like. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the example I thought you same. were going to say. It's not the same. You're you like, know, yeah, Rocky we have Star Wars and Black Panther and Rocky Horror Picture Rocky Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know, people <laughs> come together and they do the little, they dress up and all that. But right, right, Black right. Panther was, it was something that, that etched a new, it almost, I wouldn't be surprised if it did something to our DNA. Like it etched it. <laughs> Oh man! You know the slave. You know the whole um, slave trauma is actually etched in our DNA. Oh yeah. Rather, there's some research that says that. So yeah. this might have done some type of genetic changes to us. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. That's true. So and you know I'm I, I'm actually really glad that you brought up Black Panther because as you were talking, I th I thought of a question. There's there's a bunch of people, and and particularly a lot of like black creatives that I would love to ask this question to. But I think you brought up a really good point that so many times um, the the narrative of kind of a quote unquote like black movie is like yeah. it's in the hood and mm -hmm. it's it's poverty and depression or yes. it's or it's slavery and things like that mm -hmm. um, and I think I think one of the things that as I, as I've watched it a couple times over um, what Black Panther did really well and like hats off to Ryan Coogler for this because yes. I think this is behind he was behind a lot of this was that like you said it communicated and it portrayed a world where um where blackness was was valued and mm -hmm. um esteemed and higher up and people were and and black people were were smart and intelligent and you have this like thriving city yeah. right but then at the same time, you also have the the character of Killmonger. Yes. Um, and kind of like our conversation that we've been having is that Killmonger is not just this this one-dimensional bad, bad dude. Yeah. Like he he has a very legitimate reason to be angry. And it's not just because his um because his father was killed by his uncle, but it's also yeah. because he had the experience of growing up as a black man in America. Mm -hmm. And I think what what Black Panther does so well is that it balances the it balances the, like the desire and the the willingness to portray blackness as beautiful and esteem blackness for for what it should be and for what it hasn't been and and portray it like you said and and create a new sort of narrative around uh, the black community while at the same time not completely distancing Dancing. itself yeah 
and 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 throwing off the history in a way that's yeah. unrealistic because mm-hmm. i think there are good. there are like uh the show um black af i remember yeah i watched like two episodes of that recently yeah so well i remember when it first came out a lot of the conversation around it was that you know he was he was kenya barris was kind of saying like or people were saying like how you know like how is this going to you know he's saying that like oh this is a a show for like black people but you're like you're a millionaire and you have all of, all of this money and you live in LA in a, in a huge mansion and you're going to all these parties. Like how is anything that you're saying resonating with the black experience? Yeah. And I think that's, and so I think that's, that's like the tricky part, right? Is like, how do you make a movie that is, that is true to the black experience and acknowledges the pain and suffering without like kind of becoming like, for lack of a better word, like trauma porn or just really yeah. digging into like the, the hard stuff like that. And I think Black Panther does that really well. Um, like so like show, juxta, juxtaposing, like pretty much Black Panther is saying blackness is not a monolith. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, okay, you've got like black folks over here who are upset and this is the way they, this is the way they funnel their frustration and anger through like, let's do to them what they did to us. Mm-hmm. Which is a realistic point of view. Yeah. People think that way. I mean, even mm-hmm. like the um, the zealots during mm-hmm. the time of um, Christianity, the zealots were like, "Let's attack." Yeah, you know. But then you've got some folks. You know, you've got Black Panther and them, like Chadwick, not Chadwick, um, <laughs> T'Challa, T'Challa. <laughs> T'Challa, and all of them that were thriving. But they still dealt with like, "Okay, I'm thriving, but am I neglecting?" Mm the people who were suffering, like, am oh. I comfortable in my privilege? Yo. So it was almost like, they were like the white people. So it was, <laughs> yeah. So it was like, the Wakandians were sort of put in the same position as white people. Yeah. So it's like, if black people were in the same position, how would we respond? Mm. And I love how they came at the end, like, let's go back to the hood and create programs in yeah. California, you know, in Compton or wherever they were. But it's like, okay, how do we deal with both? How do we deal with the reality that we actually had? And how do we deal with a fantasy reality of what we could have? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we not turn into, like I've heard some black people say like, you know, I want to leave America and go back to Africa and we create our nation there. I'm like, dude, do you realize like there are nations that already exist there? Mm-hmm. And so if you go back there and try to create a nation, you're going to be infringing upon the rights of the people who actually live there. So you'll be Columbusing Africa as an African-American. <laughs> right. Like yeah. you'll be doing the same thing that you're blaming white people for doing. Right. So it's like we have to get out of the like we could be doing the same thing. It's still it's like fallen nature. Mm-hmm. And if any of us are in that position, we can do the same thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> All right. So what just wrapping up real quick, so what would you say? What are some practices that Christians can employ? Um to experience God through film? Like what are some things that when they're watching a movie they can be thinking about or um, some sort of habits that they can kind of develop as they're watching movies or even looking for movies to watch? Hmm. I think something that would be really helpful is learning, like this seems off topic, but it's not, when you learn how to read the Bible right, it'll help you to learn how to watch a film right. Mm. Um, I think there's, I think, well, I took a course at Icon that talks about like how to read the Bible 
And I think mm-hmm. lots of the material was from um, the Bible Project. Yeah. They have we a, also love the Bible Project. Shout yeah, out Bible Project. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> They're the best. There's a Bible Project video that talks about like how to read the Bible correctly, like how to read it. Yeah, how to read it correctly. And um, in the class I took, they talk about like, okay, if you read like narrative, what, um, who are the characters? What is the conflict? How is the conflict being resolved? And where is God in this? What does God reveal about himself and about humanity in this? And that's the way we read narrative in the Bible. Mm-hmm. If we apply that to a movie and we ask God those questions like, okay, God, what, what can you reveal to me through this movie? You know, who are the characters in this movie? What are their natures? How do I see myself in this character? Like, mm-hmm. how do I see myself in the bad guy? Like, what is some way I can relate? It's easy to relate to the good guy. How can I see myself in the bad guy? What's the conflict? What What does the bad guy want? What does the good guy want? Um, what's standing in the way? And how is this conflict resolved? That's that's a way to view any type of movie, read any type of story, like any type of story, any type of narrative can be read through that filter. And that'll be a great way to engage with a film. And then, then you know, we're not supposed to do anything like alone as Christians, really. Like, you know, this, this walk isn't like a singular walk. It's a communal mm. walk. So, yep. you know, after yep, you yep, do yep. that, watch it with someone. Um, have someone else watch it. You know, if you find a really good movie, to have one of your friends watch it and you guys talk about it later. You know, engage. You know, it's it's good to talk about these type of things, just like it's good to talk about scripture. Like scripture isn't supposed to just be engaged with alone. It's a communal process. So when you engage with scripture, you know, talk to someone else about it. Like, Oh, what did you get from it? Like, you know, and that helps you to have a more well-rounded perspective of story and of human nature and of God's nature and of yourself. Yeah. Ah, that's so good. Krista, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was I mean, this conversation far surpassed my expectations for it. Um, this, yeah, this is awesome. So I always Pleasure. enjoy getting to interact with with you and the ways that you see the world. So this was awesome. So thank, thank you so much you. for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I will uh, talk to you later. And folks, if you're listening, um, remember to subscribe and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. All right, bye-bye. <laughs>